The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Thursday, January 19th in Hong Kong, Wednesday, January 18th in New York. And coming up this hour, U.S. stocks fall after weak economic data and with prominent Fed hawks repeating calls for more rate hikes. Microsoft and Amazon begin a round of job cuts to offset slowing sales. And the U.S. and China pledge to talk more to avoid worsening tensions. Xi Jinping calls for more effort and COVID fight while saying the dawn is ahead. China's censors vow to wipe away gloomy emotions. Fighting in Ukraine's Donbass described as ferocious. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. An injured top seed Rafa Nadal is ousted at the Australian Open. I'm Dan Schwartzman. I'll have that story and more coming up in Bloomberg Sports. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. So let's talk a little bit about uh, what we had in uh, market action today. We had a lot of weakness in the equity market today. Some uh, weak economic news seemed to confirm this idea that things are slowing down and it calls into question the outlook not only for growth, but for earnings as well. Retail sales below forecast. We also had uh, a separate report indicating that production of business equipment slumped. And then if you look at the inflation story, producer prices down again in the month of uh, December. We were off about a half of 1%. And what I thought curious, Brian, is the Fed's own survey, I'm talking here about the Beige Book, indicates moderating U.S. price growth. So the conventional wisdom seems to be, if you look at the data in and of itself, hey, the Fed's got room to downshift uh, um policy, and at least in terms of uh, interest rate story, that would normally be a positive for risk assets today. That's not what we saw. Yeah, I think it's very much a battle now between the Fed and the markets. They have very different views, and, and the Fed has made its, its point very clear, and I think the market is now realizing this, that uh, they're going to stay aggressive. Jim Bullard talking about uh, getting up to five and a quarter to five and a half percent by the end of the year, and Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester also saying a good ways to go. And even if you look at the, uh, the softer approach from Patrick Harker and also Lori Logan mm-hmm. calling for 25 basis point cuts. Think about it. If they go 100 basis points, that's four meetings. That's six months of raising interest rates into a weakening economy. Well, the other thing we have to remember is that in the background, we have the unwind of the balance sheet happening. I think we were just under $9 trillion back in April. So in that nine month period, the Fed 
has effectively retired about $500 billion worth of um, money that was put into the system during the pandemic. That's been essentially eradicated at this point. Look what happened to the yield curve today. We were down big across yeah. the curve. A 10-year that was down 17 basis points, massive move. Uh, we're trading right now on the 10-year at four, a check that 336, uh, a two-year at 408. So in that case, a loss of about uh, eight basis points alone. And well, that, then that speaks to that go speaks ahead. to that uh, that contention that the market and the Fed are in very different places. But I think that the Fed may suspect that things are slowing, and I think that maybe we can expect a little bit of moderation. But the one thing I think that we can agree on is the Fed does not want the market to take away that message and run with it. So yeah. that accounts for the weakness that they think we had today in risk assets, with the Dow down about one point eight percent. Also at the top of the news, and we'll get to this in a few moments, uh, the meeting between U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and China's Vice Premier Liu He, that seems to have a good news angle to it. And also the China reopening, uh, that could also uh, spur the global economy uh, and uh, change that, uh, that situation for the Fed as well. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Vonnie Quinn, and we will take a look at some of the top stories here. Let's start off with this one. Microsoft and Amazon cutting a total of 28,000 jobs today. Both companies saying that the painful measures are necessary to offset slowing sales and a possible recession. Let's get more from Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow. I think there's the kind of this unraveling of pandemic era demand. You know, it's not quite semis, but, you know, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella basically said that the technology industry is entering this period where there is a normalization demand. And so uh, the industry needs to react to that and kind of be a bit leaner. You know, the similarity with Amazon is that they're kind of unwinding what was basically pandemic era bloating, right? They invested heavily in fulfillment centers and staffing to handle what was a shock to the system in terms of demand. Ed Ludlow. Microsoft says it still plans to hire people in strategic competitive areas such as artificial intelligence. In the meantime, Amazon said that it would continue investing meaningfully in growth areas as well. They include groceries, Amazon's business to business sales program, services for third party sellers and healthcare. Meanwhile, Brian, there's been a flurry of diplomatic activity with U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and her Chinese counterparts planning to hold key meetings. Let's get more from Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini. Planning is underway for a series of high-level diplomatic meetings. It's all part of an effort to ramp up face-to-face -face engagement and improve ties. And Yellen will be meeting with her Chinese counterparts in Beijing and in Washington as part of this. The announcement coming after a meeting in Zurich today between Yellen and China's Vice Premier Liu He. And this would be Yellen's first trip to China as Treasury Secretary and would likely come after a visit planned for early this year by Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Liu's team indicating concern about U.S. trade and technology policies and both sides are calling today's meeting constructive. Denise Pellegrini, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Time for global news. China's President Xi Jinping is calling for more efforts in fighting COVID, while at the same time saying that the dawn is just ahead. Ed Baxter with Global News in the 960 Newsroom. Ed. And I guess it's a fair question, Brian, to ask, can he have it both ways? Because they seem uh, divergent paths. In a rare video speech addressing citizens directly, President Xi says he's especially worried about epidemic control in rural areas, especially with the Lunar New Year holidays approaching. Now, Xi says the fight against COVID is 
in a new stage and the dawn is just ahead. So some foreign institutions have opposite views. Airfinity, for example, says there is one longer, more severe COVID wave ahead. And China's censors are vowing to wipe away gloomy emotions over the holiday. That is their statement, gloomy emotions. Cyberspace Administration says it will uh, increase the rectification of epidemic-related online rumors, focusing on rumor-mongering behaviors in such areas as the economy and people's livelihoods. Moderna CEO Stefan Bensel, by the way, says he is not overly concerned about a, a global impact from any variant that may come out of China, even with the lack of current data. Our team believe that the risk is not high, that there is a severe mutant coming out of China. It's possible because it's such a large number of people, but we don't think the risk is high because there's very little resistance to a virus infecting people. Vansela Davos on Bloomberg says that, that he's especially in the United States, a level of vaccination, any variant should not be severe. He says that is subject to change, though. Uh, Vansela says the globe needs to plan ahead for future pandemics by building manufacturing hubs in every continent. The U.S. Department of Justice says it has broken up cryptocurrency money laundering operation. Assistant Attorney General Lisa Monaco says Hong Kong-based Blazazzo was operating internationally. Bitslato facilitated the transmission of hundreds of millions of dollars in illicit funds, fueling darknet marketplaces, and laundering the proceeds of ransomware attacks. Yeah, Monaco says, Belazzo says that Antonio Legomotov is a Russian national living in China who was arrested in Miami. Monaco says the arrest puts a major dent in international crypto fraud. Fighting in Ukraine's Donbass region is ferocious today. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky says there is desperate need for the promised tanks and air defense systems now to be delivered. The supplies of Western tanks must outpace another invasion of Russian tanks. The restoration of security and peace in Ukraine must outpace Russia's attacks on security and peace in other countries. Zelensky says the security of other nations is at risk as well as his own, and the Biden administration is considering striker armored vehicles in its next package of aid. The new package is scheduled to be revealed Friday. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter. This is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. 
I'm Brian Curtis, along with Vonnie Quinn, and our guest is Nancy Daoud, Private Wealth Advisor at Ameriprise Financial. Nancy, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, Doug and I were just discussing about the possibility we have this new mindset here that, that bad news is, is bad news now. Um, pr- prior to this, we've, we've had equity prices moving up because whatever bad news seemed like it would get the Fed to take a softer approach. But everyone knows now that that's not what the Fed has in mind for this year. So when we see bad news, it's an indicator to sell, and maybe good news is an indicator to sell as well. Yeah, I mean, the the, the bad news has been there all along, and the Fed has been very consistent. Um, I think it was lovely that we had some optimism at the beginning of the year, um, with the inflation number being uh, down to 6%. But the reality is it was still higher year over year, and we're still not there yet as far as uh, looking inflation, so to speak. Uh, and the Fed's goal is to get to uh, 5%, north of 5% uh, as of today, actually. They were saying 5% before, but now they're, it's north of 5% for the 10-year Treasury before they will pull back on raising rates. So I fully expect the Fed to raise rates again in January and in February, and, and I think the first part of the year is going to still be quite bumpy. Uh, maybe not quite as volatile as it was all of last year, but I think that uh, we're still we're still not quite there or not where we want to be yet. How much of your portfolio, what percentage of your portfolio should you this year have in bonds? Well, I think that varies with every investor and their risk tolerance and profile. Sure, but, but generally um, we talk yeah, about a 60-40 I mean, portfolio. Does that change this year because bonds are becoming more attractive? Well, bonds are certainly getting more attractive and, and cash investments are getting more attractive, which is very, very good news in this environment. So there's uh, very nice opportunities in the fixed income market. Um, but if you're a moderate investor, yes, it's still at about 35 to 40%. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in, in this lag that we've been talking about. Uh, so I think the point I made at the beginning and your point that we can have six six rough months here uh, actually are, are pretty consistent. Uh, the point is that I wonder whether the market is coming to the grips here that uh, we're not going to see the other side of this anytime soon. And therefore, some of the buying we saw in the first two weeks of January may be misplaced. Well, absolutely. You know, like I said, there was misplaced optimism. Um, and, and it's a good thing. You know, that's not such a bad thing. Uh, because when it's doom and gloom all the time, then it just spirals downwards even further. Um, but I, I don't think we are finished with this yet, and uh, we, we can expect more interest rate hikes. The, the corporate earnings reports show uh, the beginning of a decline in, in profit margins, which is certainly expected. I mean, at some point, inflation and, and higher costs and, and, uh, and higher interest rates are going to take a toll on corporate profits, and, and we're just beginning to see it. The job market is still pretty tight. Um, although we're seeing some layoffs, uh, the reports and the data is lagging. And, and until those reports come out, we will not see the subsiding of um, action on the Fed's part. So, Nancy, what parts of the market are you looking specifically at in terms of opportunity right now? Well, as I said, um, the, the good news of all of this is that there are nice opportunities in the fixed income market where there was virtually none, uh, and cash was certainly worthless, uh, you know, as far as any earning interest rates. 
Uh, but now there's a nice opportunity with cash and fixed income investments. Um, Where? As long as you're very careful, as long as you're very careful about credit quality, which is going to become more and more important. Um, but uh, and also watch the duration, but much more more focused on credit quality. And I wonder um, if the other opportunity. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. But the other opportunity in the equity markets will certainly be in the energy and industrial sector, because uh, out of anything, uh, all, all corporate profits are starting to show a decline. But those are the two sectors that are still showing uh, increases. Do you think, though, Nancy, that another option would be Asia? And I say this because if we do have the Fed raising interest rates for the next six months as the economy is you know, grinding down, uh, some money will find its way to uh, China where they're in a hurry to try to restoke growth. And equity markets have been running pretty positive here. Do you see that shift happening? Well, I, I think if you're very speculative, um, that may happen. But I'm in the business of meeting clients' long-term goals. So uh, that would be a little too speculative on our part to do. Um, I think that with fixed income being very attractive here in the U.S., why would well, I go? Wait, wait, wait a second. China's, China's, the second biggest, China's the second biggest economy in, in the world. So obviously there are opportunities there. Are you saying that any investments in China is purely speculative? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that it is more speculative than in-house, and not to mention the strength of the dollar still. Uh, that's still a factor. Although it's showing some signs of weakening, um, I think that the, dollar, the strength of the dollar is, is a big factor in any outside U.S. investing. Nancy, it's been a tough couple of years. What kinds of returns are you targeting now? What has become the normal <laughs> There's nothing that was ever normal. <laughs> well, 8% was considered um, sort of reasonable, right? 8% a year? Um, well, I think it depends on uh, 8%. Yeah, 8% used to be uh, an acceptable return. Um, however, with inflation being at 6%, that's not really a very good return. So it really all has to do with cost of living and, and purchasing power. Um So we, we had a great year in 2021, but not such a great year in 2022. And that's very, very normal in stock markets or in the markets in general. Uh, we, we're always going to see up or down, and it's never the same. And uh, these are things that have to be built into every portfolio. Uh, so time frame is certainly always the biggest consideration. How long are we in it for? And then the not-so-solid consideration that it's harder to predict, and that's how much appetite for risk do we have? And that's yeah, going to vary by each individual. With that in mind, let's talk a little bit about Japan. Uh, and I, I fully understand you know, your comments on China. You could have pushed back at me and say, look, with the inconsistency of policy there, I do consider it speculative. But anyway, that was a, an interesting exchange. But on Japan, so we had the BOJ, in a sense, surprise traders, but not economists. And the yen is almost back to where it was before. So it's, it's hard to get a read on this. Your take. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a, a lot of tensions. Uh, just going back to your previous comment, in addition to uh, you know China being speculative, there's there's a whole lot of tensions between the U.S. and China right now, and and there's there's a lot of geopolitical risk, in my opinion. So, um, but it, it, it really uh, the whole Asia market, in my yeah. opinion, uh, we, we're just pulling back right now. 
This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.